So uh, we're going to be in the book of Ezra. Ezra, that's kind of the middle of your Old Testament. That's where we're going to start off. And then we're going to come back to the New Testament. But the last few weeks we have been... um, We've been in the book of Philippians, and so Philippians is a beautiful book written by Paul uh, to the believers that were in Philippi. Uh, It's a very rich letter, and it also reveals a lot of maturity on Paul's life as well, because he's writing this from prison. He's endured much by this point, um, and yet he just has this attitude of rejoice in the Lord always, Um, and again, I say rejoice, right? Um, that comes from Philippians 4. So we're not there yet, but we'll be getting to that. But a couple of weeks ago we talked about, he gives an example of the incarnation. So the incarnation is, um, that's in Philippians 2. Uh, it's just a word that we use where God became flesh. So he was clothed with flesh. That's where carn, you know, that's meat, right? If you go to uh, a Mexican restaurant, Chipotle, you know, carn is what you use for meat, right? Um, and so incarnation means that he was clothed with flesh. So from his example, we learn to walk with humility, be confident in who we are and our identity in Christ, and be, uh, be obedient even when we require sacrifice. Uh, today is Palm Sunday, so it's a week before Easter. Easter is when we celebrate the resurrection. Palm Sunday is where we celebrate his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So he's going there for Passover the Jewish celebration that would uh, recognize when they um, came out of Egypt, all right? And they had the Passover lamb. Um, they sacrificed the lamb. They put the blood on the doorposts. They had, and then they ate the lamb with bitter herbs and spices and then the unleavened bread. And it would symbolize that they would leave Egypt in, in haste. But it also would point to what Jesus would do on the cross because when he has... That Last Supper, the communion on Thursday night, he says, "You're not. I'm not. We're not. You know, you won't do this again until we're in my Father's he- in heaven, okay, in His kingdom." But who would be the Passover Lamb? Jesus. And so all that was pointing that at one point, Jesus, the Son of God, He's referred to many times in Scripture as the Lamb of God. He would die on the cross for our sins, and He would symbolize what Passover was all about. That His blood would allow death and sin to pass over our life. Okay? So that's the symbolism there. So how many watched the Ten Commandments last night? It was on. Anybody watch that? You did, huh? Yeah, and you, you know, why did they show that Easter? Well, it's because that is a major part of the movie is when they do, um, you know, at the end of the plagues and they do the Passover meal. That's a big part of the movie. So, amen. All right. So it is on... Um, Sunday that they make their way into Jerusalem. And the passage that Andy read talked about that after they came into Jerusalem, where was one of the first places that Jesus went? Where? The temple. And what does he do in the temple? He throws tables all, all over the place, right? And it's kind of like, Jesus, really? Why was he, why was he upset? Instead of being a house of prayer, it was a house of thieves, right? There was corruption there. They were, they were selling things that were part of the, 
the temple worship, but they were taking advantage of people, okay? And Jesus knew that, and so that upset him. He says, this is to be a house of prayer, a place of worship, but you've made it a den of thieves. So he was pretty upset with that. And then there's other events that take place throughout that week that are recorded in the Gospels, okay? And then you come to Thursday night. That is when he'd have Passover. Uh, Luke has a really good account of that. If you go into Luke's Gospel and read um, how they find the, the donkey, and they just kind of go up to somebody's house and take it. And the guy says, hey, what are you doing taking my donkey? And they said, well, the master needs it, right? And so they, he goes, oh, okay, why don't you just tell me? So, all right. Um, so, the, you know, you have that account, and then you have him going out to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives. That's where he'll be betrayed. Judas betrays him, right? And then he's tried through the night in the Sanhedrin, convicted, by them, they take him to, to Pilate, and he is sent to be crucified on Friday, all right? And then he's placed in the tomb before the sun goes down, because then it is the Sabbath. Sabbath would begin at sunset on Friday, and so they had to take care of all that. He's placed in the tomb, and then what happens on Sunday? He is resurrected, right? He's resurrected. So... um. Usually on Palm Sunday, I, I pull out aspects of the triumphal entry, and, and there's a lot of good stuff there. Today, I want to take a little bit different angle towards Palm Sunday and Easter. Um, Easter and Christmas are typically some of the best attended services throughout the year, all right? And last year, we had an incredible, we had a real good tur- turnout. The place was packed, and a lot of new guests and visitors there, Um you know, our attendance throughout the rest of the year has been mediocre. Can we say that, right? Um, and it, attendance, well, just COVID in general has changed us. And that's kind of what I want to get to. It's impacted what churches look looks like, okay? Uh, some of it's been good. Some of it's been, I would consider, bad. And that there's people that have fallen away from the church and from the relationship with God due to COVID. Why? I, I, you know, it's various reasons there. Okay, there was a lot of other things happening too. The thing with the racism and uh, and all that that impacted how some people looked at the church. So there was a lot happening during that time. But the experts tell us that up to twenty percent or higher will never be back. All right, uh, some have returned. Some people are still watch, choosing to watch online, and uh, we respect just their concerns out there. But COVID has it has changed. Now there's some things um, that have been beneficial, okay? It's caused us to do things, some things better. Uh, you know, whether it's going to the online services or whatever the case may be, it's caused us to do some things better, all right? But it has changed how we shop, hasn't it? People are probably buying more online than they they ever used to, or they order it through the app on their phone because I see the Walmart people going around with these carts and they're filling it all up, right? Right? It's changed how we shop. It's changed how we spend our time. Okay, I was talking to a business owner here on, on Main Street here in Crete, and he just said, you know, people are investing more into their homes. They're staying home more than they used to, all right? Um, it's, it's, it's changed how we do large group gatherings and all that. And as we digest this, there are examples in the Old and New Testaments that speak to what we may be feeling as we even move ahead. I think of even restaurants and movie theaters um, they've all had to adjust, and most, some of them haven't recovered. They didn't recover. They didn't pull through. Some of them did, um, but it's looked different for them as well, right? 
we're definitely not back to normal, and I don't think we ever will be. I think going forward, COVID was with us long enough that it changed us, um, some for the better, some for the worse. So I want to read from Ezra chapter 3, 10 through 11. Did you all find that? Did you all find Ezra? All right. So just a little bit of a background there. Ezra was a priest, okay, and he, it was during the time in Israel's history where they're coming back from exile in Babylon. So in 586, you're not going to be quizzed over this, but in 586 B.C., um, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come in. They devastate the land of Israel. They destroy the temple. They kill a lot of people, okay? And they take some captives. So some of those captives would be Daniel, okay, and Ezekiel, okay? Um, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of those people are taken back to Babylon as captives and, and many other people. And God tells them, I, I want you to marry. I want you to make this your home because you're going to be here for a while. And they were there. They, some of them were saying, oh, you're just, it's just going to be for a moment and we're going to go back. But Jeremiah would prophesy that it would be 70 years that they would be there. And so it's roughly 70 years that they would be in Babylon in exile. And then God would touch Cyrus's heart. Nehemiah would be part of one of those people. And all of a sudden he would say, hey, Nehemiah says, I want to go back and help rebuild the walls in Jerusalem because they're in ruins. And God grants him favor with the kings, King Cyrus. And so he says, hey, yep, I'm giving you a blank checkbook kind of type of deal. Go back and build it. And Zerubbabel would rebuild the temple. And uh, Ezra would be the priest. He would be the one that would minister to the people during this time. But I want you to, some people that were coming back had never seen Jerusalem. They were born in Babylon. Seventy years is a long time. But then there were those that had been in Jerusalem. And then they went to exile. Now they were coming back. Okay? They were seeing the devastation and all that was there. It was those that were having difficulty moving forward. And so you read the last part of Isaiah. Chapters 40 to the end deals with encouraging the people as they come out of exile to encourage them, to lift them up, and to just show that God had good things for them. So I want you to read this. This is the day that they, they, are, they lay the foundation for this new temple because it had been laid to the ground. There wasn't anything left. It had been destroyed. And if you remember Solomon's temple, it was gold, it was ivory, it was expensive, it was extravagant, and it had been totally stripped down and destroyed. The gold and all the expensive stuff had been taken to Babylon, and it was in ruins. And so on this day, they celebrated laying the foundation. Still a lot left to be done, right? But they were laying the foundation. So this is what happened. So before we do this, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And... Take it and apply it to our hearts this morning. We ask it in your name. Amen. I'm going to begin with verse 10, Chris. So if you can put it on verse 10. Um, so they got the worship team there, okay? This is what you have to know. They got the worship team there. They got the instruments. They got the singers. They got, they're going to celebrate, all right? They're going to celebrate the foundation of the temple being laid, Okay. And so verse 10, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments, so they have their nice robes on, the trumpets, everybody go, okay, all right, that's kind of weak, all right, all right, 
the Levites, okay, the sons of Asaph, with the symbols. Okay, we don't have Guillermo here today, but if we had the symbols there. And they took places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. And they praised and gave thanksgiving and sang to the Lord, He is good and His love endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise. Give a great shout of praise. There we go. All right. And because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. You know, there was a lot around them that wasn't right. There was probably still buildings and ruins. I don't know if you've seen some of the images coming back from Ukraine and just these apartments and buildings that are just kind of like, it looks like World War I or two. I mean, it's just, it's bad. And the same thing was here. It had been 70 years, but there was still a lot of devastation. There was a lot to be kind of moaning and groaning about and to be upset about. But here that day, the foundation had been laid. Now, the, the temple wasn't built. There was still a lot of work to be done but it was a a sign of progress and the foundation had been laid. Amen? You ever built a new house and laid that foundation? Yeah. It it marks that first big step of progress. The first thing I see here is rejoice in the new things that God is doing. You know, COVID, there were some things that it destroyed. There were some things that were lost. And we can dwell on those things as a church, as a family, as an individual. But we have to rejoice in the new things that God is doing. Maybe your child was born during COVID. I know we have at least one back there. Right? Yeah. That's a good thing that God did, right? Maybe, I don't know some of the things, maybe you got a job promotion, maybe some good things happened in your life. Rejoice in the good things that God is doing. You know, in 2020, our Easter service was totally online, and we we adapted. I think it was very effective, but it was all online. It was recorded and and displayed online. Then last year, we we had people back. It was kind of that first big service back. We invited some of you were there. This that was some of you. That was your first time here, right? And. it was a great thing. And some of those families, we had people who were baptized this last summer. Um, it was a day of celebration, excitement, and praise. You know, and we have to rejoice in the good things that God is doing. Is it the same as it was before COVID? Probably not. And it probably never will be. Okay? But you have to rejoice in the good things that God is doing. Don't lose sight of those good things, even if it's just a foundation being laid. There is progress in what God is doing. Amen? Um, Amen. You know, as a church, not only was Easter good for us last year, I think we're going into 17 years of ministry here in Crete. Okay? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Jill, you've been here from the very beginning. Yeah. And... um, We've done a lot of good things. I mean, we used to do the big Easter egg hunt, and so the chamber did it last uh, this last couple years, and so they did it at the hospital yesterday. Anybody take advantage of that? Maybe some of you are there. Take advantage of that. Um, but we've never had a, an Easter like last year. It was actually our best thing. We actually went smaller, and it was more effective for us. So, um, 
But what are some other things that were worth celebrating? Well, we, we made a lot of improvements last summer, didn't we? We did the carpet, we did the bathrooms, and even did some things here just in the last couple of days, last few weeks. There's been a lot of good things that are worth celebrating, amen? And giving God praise and glory for us. So, and maybe those same things have happened in your life. Um, so celebrate the good things that God is doing. Number two, 12 through 13. I think I already read. No, I didn't. Okay, 12 through 13. It says, but many of the older priests, so everybody else is shouting, right? They got the worship team there. They're giving praise to God, saying he is good, his love towards Israel endures forever. Verse 12, but many of the older priests, the Levites and the family heads, who had seen the former temple, Solomon's temple, wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish between the shouts of joy from the sound of the weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. You catching this? So most of the people are shouting and exciting at the progress that's taking place, but the people that had been there had seen Solomon's temple and the things that were in the before. And now they wept. Why did they weep? Maybe it was excitement to see progress, but I think a lot of it was they remembered what was. And they realized that this wasn't going to be the same as Solomon's temple. Why? Well, for one thing, it was smaller. We know that it was going to be a a smaller version of what was. It probably was not going to have all the gold and the ivory. I mean, Solomon went all out. And it was a very good time for Israel. And they, I mean, the, it was extravagant. And this temple was going to probably be a humbler version. It was going to be smaller. It was going to be humbler. They didn't have the volunteer labor to get it done. And so there was weeping along with the praise. It's just one of the in, most interesting passages in Scripture. And the second principle I see is that Even when God is doing something new, we have to release the past to God. You know, coming out of COVID, some of you just want things to go back to normal. And I would. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm part of that camp to some degree. But I I think if we think things are going to go back to normal, I think we're badly mistaken. It it changed a lot of different things. There again, some for the good, some for the better, um, and some for the worst, right? But we have to release the past to God and even sometimes the bad things, but also some of the good things. We have to release to the past to God and say, God, okay, I am open for you to work in my life in a new way. But I like my tradition. I like my rut. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, and, and we lost some things in COVID. Maybe you lost a family member or you know somebody that um, that lost a family member or a close loved one during this time. Um, just was with a, a youth pastor um, on Thursday and um, the family lived in Milford and so his dad passed away during during COVID. And, you know, and he's a young man, probably early 30s, you know. So he has, you know, quite a few years younger than me. And his dad was probably quite a few years younger than uh, my dad. Uh, But he lost his dad to COVID. That changes things. And it's changed his life and what he's doing right now. 
And so I, I, and I grieve. I, one of the things as a pastor, I, I grieve over those that are no longer worshiping with us that used to worship with us. That, that's one of the things that's hit me the hardest as a pastor. And uh, you do all that you can, but ultimately people are, res- you're responsible for your relationship with Christ just as I am with mine. Uh, I can do so much as a pastor, but ultimately people make their own decision and choices. And um, that's a loss, folks. That's a loss. Um, businesses have been impacted significantly. Um, you know, and then just some of the things, you know, most businesses don't have the stickers on the floor you know, that say what, stand six feet apart, right? But how many of you find yourself still doing that when you're in a line at the restaurant or fast food? You still doing it? Yeah, because it's impacted us. It's changed us. It was with us so long that even though the signs aren't there, we're still keeping our distance, right? Maybe they don't want me in their space, right? Um, For good or bad, it has changed us. And so the last point is not even in our passage, okay? So it's not a very good expository message. It's not bad. We know that the temple would be completed, okay, but it wasn't an easy process. The f- they celebrate the foundation being laid that day. And they'd make some progress, but then they would get opposition to it. They would spread rumors and lies. Some of the people that didn't want the temple to be built sent back word to the king in Babylon, says, hey, they're, they're doing an uprising. And so the building would be halted for several years, like 20 years or whatever. It, it just sat there, partially finished. And then all of a sudden things began to roll again. And that's where you have Zerubbabel and say, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord, that this will be done. Amen? And so it would be rebuilt. And it would function as a place of worship for Israel. It wouldn't be as big as the other temple. It wouldn't be as extravagant as the other temple. But it would serve the place for the people to worship God and to seek Him. Is that a failure? No. Because one day, one day a young couple would come into that temple and they'd have a young boy. He was eight days old. And they'd bring him into the temple because why? He needed to be dedicated. And he'd be dedicated in that temple and Kind of, kind of caused a stir that day. And then later, this young baby would turn into a young man, and he would actually go into the temple and teach there. And a little bit later, one day, he'd actually come in there and cause quite a stir and turn over tables. Right? See, the Solomon's temple had the glory of God fill that place when it was dedicated. But it never had the honor of the Son of God, Jesus, to come into that place and to fill it with His presence. Amen? And we can sometimes look at saying, you know, what COVID has caused and maybe the other things that took place during that period and think things will never be normal again. They probably won't be, folks. But we have to celebrate the things that did happen that were positive during that time, a foundation being built maybe. 
And we have to maybe let go of some things that needed to be let go of. Right? Because God has His ongoing agenda. That's point number three. We need to move ahead with God's ongoing agenda. We don't always know what that is, folks. And sometimes God may consult you, but I have found often He doesn't consult me with His plans. All right? He has them made, and he's, He knows what He's doing, and now sometimes He informs me what He's going to do. But He's rarely asked me and said, Hey, what do you think I should do? This is what Isaiah says. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call on, call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and have mercy on them. To our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from your mouth, my mouth, will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. For you will go out in peace and be led forth, go out in joy and be led forth in peace and the mountains and the hills will burst into song. So this is written by Isaiah, written to these exiles coming back from captivity. They're coming back to a new normal. And he says, you will go out and join, be led forth in the peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars will grow the myrtle. And this will be the Lord's renown from everlasting sign that will endure forever. And so as these people were coming out of exile back to Israel, it was different. It was changed. But God says, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to bless you. It will be a time of rejoicing. And I'm going to do some great things. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And often we don't always understand, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Why, do you, why did you allow that devastation to hit our land? He has his plans. Looking back, maybe we'll understand. Maybe we won't. Maybe in heaven, yes, we will. Some things make sense here on earth, but we may go to our grave and still never understand why did such and such happen. We don't always understand. But God does. He has His ways. Amen? Good days lie ahead for us as well, but we can't be tied to what was. Rather, we need to embrace what God is doing and now in our communities, nation, and world. Mm. You know, I, I now even look at Ukraine saying, God, why are you allowing stuff like that to happen. and We know that evil exists in our world. Could God stop it? He absolutely could. Could he have stopped COVID? Yes, he could. Okay? Um, however, I do believe he does allow things to happen so that he can fulfill his plans and purposes. I'm going to have the musicians come. You know, as we look at Palm Sunday, 
a day of rejoicing, right? Excitement. The disciples were thinking, this is it. We knew he was the Messiah. Today is the day. It's going to happen. We're coming to Jerusalem. He's going to be made Messiah. He's going to be crowned. We don't know how this is all going to happen. But this is it. All right? They're excited. Everybody is agreeing, except for the religious leaders. But they can taste it. And Thursday, and then it's like Thursday night into Friday, it's like all hell broke loose. And they go, what just happened? What just happened? Our Lord and our Savior, the Messiah, He's on a cross and He's dying there, being crucified on a Roman cross. It's kind of like, God, what, what are you doing? We, we don't understand. And He's placed in a tomb. They go back and they're dismayed. They, they're confused. And then Sunday, resurrection. Amen? But even still then, they saw His hands and His feet and they believed, but it's kind of like, where do we go from here? And God would give them the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later. But see, the past and what they knew as normal, that was, God, that was out the window, folks. Because now what God was calling them to do is be a light to the world and to take the message that they had within their lives and to share it with the world around them. There wasn't any roadmap for that. It was new territory for them. But it was where God was leading them. And in order for them to do that, they had to let go of that past. Family, maybe. and just the, They were fishermen, several of them. They had to celebrate what good was happening. But more importantly, they had to embrace God's ongoing agenda, what He had planned for them. And it was new territory for them. Amen? Are you sensing that a little bit in your own life? I never will probably preach a Palm Sunday message like this again, I hope. (laughs) But I think it's where we're at, folks. Um... I don't know what God has ahead for the church. All I know is that we have to be in sync with what He is doing. And I think if we think think it's going to be the the way it always has been, I think, I don't think that's going to be the case. And we're going to have to be in tune with what God is trying to do and listen to Him. I don't know what the church will look like in five years, ten years, twenty years. I, I don't know. What I do know is that God has given us a mission, mission, and that hasn't changed. It's to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul says in Philippians, so we'll probably be in this after Easter. We're going to wrap up Philippians then. But he talks about his relationship with, with Christ, and he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection in my own life. But he says in verse 12 of chapter 3, But I have not already obtained all this, nor have I arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which took hold of me, as Christ took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do is I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. So it really touches upon what we just covered. Paul had to do that himself as he moved ahead with God. Amen. Amen. Would you stand this morning? Lord, this morning we just come before you and we pray that your will would be accomplished in our life. And this season of COVID, just roughly over two years now, has impacted each each of us differently, Lord God. And it's impacted your church, not only in the United States, not only in Crete, but around the world. It's it's changed things. And Lord God, I, I pray that you can let us hear your heart and, and how you want your church to go forward and to accomplish its mission and its purpose, Lord. And it might mean that we have to let go of some things and that were part of the past so that we can embrace what you are doing in the future, Lord God. I don't... It begins begins with me. It begins with everyone here, Lord. We we have to hear your heart, Lord God. I trust you. The message hasn't changed. The mission hasn't changed. But Lord God, grant us favor. Grant us insight. Help us hold on to you, Lord God. And then, Lord, if, if we don't know you as our Lord and our Savior, today can be the day of salvation that we put our faith and trust in you by praying that prayer. Trust in you with all of our hearts. You have promised to be faithful, to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all the things that we've done wrong, to be our Lord and our Savior. And Lord, lastly, give us the faith that we need to trust you in the days ahead. To trust you, even though we can't see exactly what you're going to do, but to know that you are working and to trust you hold on to your hand. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. You know, as I shared this message, COVID changing you, maybe it's changed you and folks, it's, it's changed some of us on the inside. We recognize it and some of it we don't like, but we don't know what to do. It's caused us to look at our world differently. Um, Father, this morning, I just pray that um, you'd be with each one here today, Lord God. And, um, we're, we're spiritual beings, Lord God. We have a spirit and a heart and a soul, but we also have that part of us that is very human and the emotions and Lord God, things such as COVID and death and all the things that we see can impact us, Lord God. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would um, extend your grace and mercy to us and even put people in our life that can 
walk with us through this time and this season. Oh. And we give you the thanks we ask in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Can I just say that as we as we go, some things we can pull out of, you know, the expression is you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, right? There's times that we can do that. Um, but sometimes we, we do need to get people into our lives that um, can help us process through things, especially if we lost something during COVID. If we lost some things, we sometimes need help walking through that. And um, I listened to one podcast that um, I think people expected COVID to impact us initially. But what they learned with the Oklahoma City bombings, if you remember those, that was a long time ago. I remember it though. I was in North Dakota. I was at a, it was in the spring because I was at our state district council when it happened. And um, they said that the, the first responders and the people that were there where they started it really hitting them and affecting their their life, their families, and things like that was two and a half years later. So where are we at right now? Right in that window. Why? Because up to this point, we're just surviving. We're doing what we can do to survive. Okay? Now we feel like COVID is behind us, but now there might be some things that surface there. It doesn't mean that you're messed up. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't. Mean, it means you're human, folks. And um, I guess I just pray that if sometimes we can pull ourselves out, but some of it we may have to talk through with somebody, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a counselor, to walk through that. Amen. Hey, God bless you this morning. Will you greet each other? Oh, so you can't leave this morning until you tell somebody you rejoice about something that happened in your life in the last year or two. Okay? Rejoice in the small things. So what is something you're going to celebrate?